Welcome to Prison Radio mini-episodes. Prison Radio is an independent multimedia production studio producing content for radio, television, films, and now podcasts. For 30 years, we've aimed to include the voices of incarcerated people in the public debate. This mini-episode features commentaries from our correspondents in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd on May 25, 2020, as well as the following protests. The first is Dennis Solo McKeithen, the second is Mumia Abu-Jamal, the third is Dante Mitchell. This is a report by Dennis Solo McKeithen, BB2253, at SBI Phoenix. Today, while watching the news and seeing George in Minneapolis murdered by the police sitting on his neck, it was reminiscent of so many things that happen here on a daily basis, including what happened to myself at SCI Army Yard when I was being choked out and felt myself leaving. And I heard a voice say, get off his neck, let him go, get off his neck. And that voice saved my life. And when I was listening to him say, I can't breathe, and then call out for his mother, I sat there and I thought of all the murders of innocent, unarmed black men and women over the past few months. And I look at society talking about they need more cameras, they need more training. What people don't understand is you cannot legislate racism. That's something that's in people's hearts. I see it in here on a daily basis and the same out there. Jobs like police officers, prison guards, they are magnets for white racists because they can practice hate crime with impunity and actually be paid for by the government. When I looked at the police standing around while this man sat on George's neck and I looked at their face and I remember when I was studying about body language in my sociology class, their body language was telling them Killer, killer. And I thought about the people that were standing around hollering. And I said, maybe if one person would have stepped forward and made a motion, even if they would have got hit upside the head, it might have made him release off of that neck. And I say that because I myself was that person. When I was up at CI Avion and I saw them jumping on a young guy for no reason. And I said, get off him. That man ain't do nothing. And they told me to keep it moving. And I said, I'm not going nowhere. And they came at me. And the attack on me saved the attack on him. And what people have to understand is you can't pray away or march away hate. And that's what we see in this American society today. And now that the top office in this society perpetuates that hate, people feel more embodied, you know, because this is their leader, a man that basically just told the National Guard to start shooting. When people look at the rioters and condemn them for their actions, think of the procuring cause. Think of what led to their actions. It's the hate that created hate. And as I watch this every day, I sometimes look at myself and, and become angry 
that I'm not out there to be a part of fighting for the changes in our society. Because if the people don't stand up, it's only going to get worse. Because they feel embodied. They feel that this thing here is acceptable. They can do it. No, they won't get charged. Or if they do get charged, they'll get found not guilty. And when I say that, I look at even when Trayvon Martin was killed, that wasn't even a police officer. And what and it made me think of what they told Dred Scott. A black man has no rights, that a white man is bound to respect. And there's a segment of this society that wholly believes that. That's what I was thinking about today as I watched that. You know, how much do your freedom mean to you? How much do justice mean to you? If you're not willing to die for it, you probably will never get it because in every struggle for in this society throughout history, lives have always been lost for someone to obtain their freedom or to obtain justice. A report by Dennis Solo McKeithen, BB 2253 at FCI Phoenix. I Can't Breathe, Part 2. The furious struggle for justice by the late Eric Gardner took years, long, hard years, by his family and friends before a bare pittance was granted in the belated decision to dismiss the cop who choked him to death, uncharged, I might add. The name Eric Garner has become a catchword for the state of black America for decades, if not centuries, who can barely breathe free air. The phone cam recording of the police killing of George Floyd in the streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota, by a beefy cop putting his knee on the neck of Floyd, provides an eerie echo of Garner's words from at least five years before. I can't breathe. Floyd, his breath cut off, cries for the person who gave him life, his mama. Within minutes, Floyd is gone. Eric Garner was approached by a police squad after a merchant complained that he was selling Lucy's or single cigarettes. Floyd was approached by several cops after a merchant claimed he passed a forged $20 bill. Think about that. Two men, two fathers, choked to death because of merchant complaints about loose cigarettes and the fake $20 bill, allegedly. This is a statement about how, in a capitalist society, merchandise is more important than black life. George Floyd joins a collective he never wanted to join and perhaps never expected to join. It is the roll call of the dead.
caused by the state and a system of repression that is all-pervasive. Does Black Lives Matter? Not yet. From imprisoned nations, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. George Floyd and state power, what do you expect to happen? The death of George Floyd is on a long list of unarmed black people murdered by the police. His death is sad and tragic. Unlike this, unlike similar deaths of others, his has unleashed a national wave of violence and anger not seen in this country in decades. It reveals that issues of racism are reaching a boiling point. What upsets me is how law enforcement officials and politicians want to label the violence we are seeing as criminal. I'm not a proponent for a senseless violence. But one has to ask the question, when the very people entrusted to uphold and enforce the law, who are sworn to protect and serve, turn around and murder defenseless people, what do you expect will happen? When this happens over and over and over again, and nothing really changes after all the talk, what do you expect will happen? There's going to be an erosion of law and order. If law enforcers break the law, the people will lose respect for the law. Condemning the looters and rioters is to ignore the cause of their looting and rioting. The cause is the abuse of authority by those in authority. This abuse of authority happens every day, not just to black or brown people. It happens to all people. Black, brown, and poor people simply get it the worst because racism is added into the mix, along with classism. But poor white people catch hell, too. What we are seeing is the spilling over of the anger and frustration at how the state apparatus keeps failing to serve and protect the people. Because it can't. The condemnation of looters and rioters is a defensive reaction of the agents of the state and law enforcement hawks who are threatened by the exposure of the very contradiction of state power in America. And that contradiction is that state power in America doesn't really serve the working class nor the poor, especially the black or Hispanic. But yet, it is upon the backs of the working class and the poor that the state derives its legitimacy. In prison, you can see this contradiction so vividly. Most prisoners are black, Hispanic, and poor white people. Most prison guards are white. Most prison administrators are white and upper middle class. And prison guards and prison administrators abuse their authority regularly. They don't respect the law. They violate the law to brutalize and harass prisoners. A prison guard punched my young Ndugu Maurice Stansbury five times in the face. When his mother and my supporters complained, other prison guards sprayed him with fire extinguishers. And I'm not even going to mention the harassment I'm being subjected to. So who will be at fault when prison riots break out or prison guards are attacked? Me personally, I exhaust all my administrative and legal remedies to protect and vindicate my rights. But my administrative complaints are often ignored or swept under the rug. And my state and federal lawsuits somehow always end up before judges who are biased against prisoners. When the system doesn't work, when peaceful means are ignored, what do you expect will happen? This is Dante S. Mitchell, better known as the family of the Kiwi, reporting to you from Great Meadow Correctional Facility in Comstock, New York. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Free Dante Mitchell. 
Also, please join the Dante Mitchell Support Committee Facebook group if you want to support my clemency campaign, my legal battles, or my USD outreach and mentorship work with young prisoners. Thank you for listening, and God bless. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio.